Welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family, love, and relationships. I'm your host for this podcast, Christopher Robbins, co-founder of Familiars Publishing, husband, father of nine, author, fly fisherman, backpacker, and aspirational musician based in the Central Valley of California. We hope to bring you nourishing, real-life information about love, family, relationships, and life. And today, I am stoked to introduce today's guest, Noah Benchia. Now, Noah Benchia is one of North America's most respected and beloved poet philosophers. He is the Pulitzer Prize-nominated and internationally best-selling author of 29 books, translated into 18 languages and embraced around the world. Today, we're going to explore principles of successful living from his most recent book, The Surfer and the Sage, How to Survive and Ride Life's Waves, co-authored with world champion surfer Sean Thompson. The information shared aligns with the familiar habits, learn and play together. And you can learn more about the familiar and habits of happy families by simply going to the Habit Hub blog on familias.com. Noah, what an honor, what a pleasure to have you join us. I, I feel the same. It's very, very reciprocal. Thank you, Christopher. Now, I have to say, it, it's interesting to think about uh, a world champion surfer co-authoring a book with a world-famous poet. And I love poetry, but let, let's help, help us understand poetry. What, are, what, what about poetry provides parallels to our lives? What a great question. If you excuse the expression, let me think about it for a second. Uh, I've had a feeling for a long time in my life that um, poets weren't simply people who uh, wrote poetry. And I'll, I'll, by way of confession, when my son was young and somebody asked my son what his father does, he said, my father types. Uh, So I I still type, I'm still writing. But my my experience is that uh, a poet's work is not always writing poetry, but discovering poetry and putting the appropriate silence on both sides of it so you might have a chance to pause and witness what you would not have witnessed, nor would the poet have witnessed if he hadn't or she had not stopped and taken uh, a look. That is, uh, poetry uh, is, a, is a kind of deep music in the, wor- in the world and in our lives. And I one time wrote that a miracle is oftentimes nothing less than our willingness to experience one. And I think poetry is oftentimes nothing less than our giving witness to the poetry we see in, uh, in the world we live in. So there may not be people who think uh, hearing a child laughing while they are skipping is poetry, but I would have a hard time defining poetry as, uh, any, as much more than that. There is a friend who uh, reminded me this morning that she remembered 40 years ago in a house I lived in seeing that I hung frames on the wall with, and there were no pictures in the frames. And I said, yes, my feeling was that art is whatever we put a frame around. So poetry, I think in many regards, is the business of putting a frame around a moment, around a witness that you give to a moment that might otherwise pass unnoticed, unnoticed. I agree with you. I agree with you. I I think poetry captures those moments in our lives that are so profound and so easily forgotten unless we capture them somehow. And poetry is 
an art form that just captures those unique moments. One of my favorite poems is by William Carlos Williams. And it's such a simple poem. It's, um, I am writing this to tell you, I have eaten the plums that were in the icebox. Forgive me. They were so sweet, so cold. <laughs> ah, see, now that I, I, uh, this is where uh, people who uh, treasure poetry can have the pleasure uh, because you and I were, were raised in a time when people actually memorized poetry or were thought to bring it to bear. So one of my favorite uh, was from uh, T.S. Eliot's Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock, where he says, and, and, you know, there will be time for a thousand decisions and revisions which a moment will reverse. You know, I, I like that. And I, I also from Proofrock, because it takes you into it and perhaps into this conversation where the poet says, oh, do not ask, what is it? Let us go and make our visit. There you go. So, that, there so, you go. so it's a pleasure to make our visit together today. Yeah. Let's get into this book. So surfing. It's, so, you know, I talked to Sean about, you know, uh, life parallels with surfing we've talked a little bit about poetry and parallels in life but what what did you learn about life through your experience with sean and and the parallels that exist with the ocean and with waves and with surfing so it's a really interesting metaphor well I, uh there is some of it which uh was uh pre-sean if you would but uh and one of those areas if i if i might uh is um I've always been, uh, I'm from a blue collar background in my family where they were boxers and I've been into a physical workout and that stuff my whole life. And part of it for years run on the, the beach each day. And one of the things you realize when you're by the water, the ocean uh, each day, is that there are two tides every day, a high tide and a low tide, a high tide and a low tide. And that my feeling is that feelings are like tides. They come and go and not to get too attached to your feelings or as psychologists remind us, don't confuse how you feel with who you are. So I remind people that there are two tides every day. And I remind myself uh, in a point of reflection of prayer earlier in the year that I can spend uh, 15 uh, hours writing 1500 words on patients and lose my patience in 15 seconds in a parking lot. So I now say to myself, when I see myself losing my patience and being less than I might be, I say to myself, low tide, Noah, low tide. And then when I see myself do something with some grace during the day, I might be self-witnessing high tide, Noah, high tide. So I, th I, I think that in each day we'll have two occasions to witness ourselves being less than we might be and uh, two occasions where we might witness ourselves uh, being uh, better than we had been in the, in, in the previous moment. So I, I think the, the, the lessons of the ocean are so uh, profound in that regard. Of course, there's the obvious parallels that uh, the earth is made up of 75% water and the human body is made up of 75% water. Uh, so uh, clearly we're, we're aligned and there are oceanic rhythms in our very corporal uh, nature. In talking with Sean about this, I think one of the things that happened when we were trying to write the book that was really a witness for me is that because I'm, uh, I've written many books and doing this a long time, when I was writing my aspects for this book, it came with more ease than there was for Sean. And when I would talk to Sean, I would see that his experience was not unlike people who were coming with 
you know, Sean, Sean spent more time in the water than he spent typing. I've spent more time typing than, you know, being on a surfboard. So I said to him, I said, you know, when I used to go out at night as a kid, my, uh, my mother would be waiting up when I came home and she just wanted to hear how the night went, how the day was. So I think Sean, if you, if you imagine you were talking to us, to a favorite aunt or to your mom, when you came home, and you were going to tell her about the experience of being on a 45 foot wave with a shark sitting beneath of you, beneath you, just tell her that story. Just tell her that story and what your fears were, where you're, where you found the courage in that moment, because I think all courage happens on a private scale, on a private stage. Uh, I remind people that uh, courage can be a, and it's in our book. I talk about courage can be a, a woman at 11 o'clock in the morning who doesn't read up, reach up into the shelf and take down the vodka bottle or a guy at 11 o'clock at night who's on a business trip who refuses to accept the key from the some woman sitting next to him at the bar or a nine year old boy who doesn't accept the challenge of a bully to climb a tower that would be dangerous and be called uh, cowardly because he wouldn't. Courage is, uh, is, a, is a very private matter. It certainly can be running up a hill under gunfire, but a very private matter. And I'm sure. I don't remind you, John, I am sure that is an intensely private matter when you are on a board with a 45 foot wave coming under you and a shark swimming somewhere around you. And you weren't being compelled to do this. You were called to do this. I said, share that feeling, share that private courage with others. And uh, he did so. And that's, I think, one of the real uh, strengths in our in our book is that both Sean and myself wanted at the very cost of anything else to bring honesty and candor and just two straight ahead guys who are uh, a little further down the trail than a lot of other people in life, perhaps, and bring that to it. So I, uh, to me, the, the ocean of uh, the idea of a wave rising, of wave falling, of catching a wave, of missing your wave, uh, or the idea that you're not a drop in the sea, you are all the drops in the sea, uh, in, in a philosophic sense, was, it was a very easy, um, and comfortable fit for me. And I, by way of confession, while we had talked about doing this book, um, uh, Sean was the one who decided, I mean, it was not confusing that his appellation would be the surfer. Uh, it was Sean that uh, decided that I would be the sage in this book. <laughs> it wasn't, I, I feel self I remember many years ago when I met people and they asked me if you had a card, I said, a card? If I had a business card that said Noah Ben Shi, a poet underneath it, I would like I would be ill. You know, I, I feel so uh, self uh, full of myself. And um, so anyway, so I, I just think that one doesn't have to be very adept as a poet to see the 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 uh, the, the clear metaphor that you can find uh, both in the ocean and our relationship to the waves in life that can overwhelm us. I really appreciate what you say. I know that our listeners do too. You know, the one of the main purposes of MLSN, this podcast, is to help individuals and, be, and, and families be happier. We don't expect that everyone's going to be happy every moment of the day. It's like you said, there's, there's tides. And I think that what you said about that we should not ever confuse our feelings for who we are is important, particularly during this time when People are anxious. People are, are even angry because of the their life disruption over the last two years. And you talk about calm. I, I want to read a section of, of the book for our listeners. You write, when there are storms overhead, drop down 
into your mind ocean and ride the waves under your waves. The calm in your storm is the calm within you. Your calm is calmly waiting. Your calm is not at a distance from you unless you are at a distance from you. So that's an interesting statement. So I I think we're, that, I'm not sure who said that, but I'll buy into it. <laughs> <laughs> So help us, help us understand, you know, what what you've learned about helping how, and how this book helps us perhaps with the anxiety that some of us might be experiencing right now. Well, I, I think the anxiety that some of us might be experiencing right now is uh, almost all of us. And it's global. If you were to ask what is a password that we could share between cultures, gender, race uh, across the globe, it would be uh, anxiety and um one of the witnesses I have about that is, and it plays very well with the spiritual quality and the spiritual lessons is, um, you're not in charge. What you are in charge of is you. And what the world delivers to your doorstep each morning uh, isn't your responsibility. Your responsibility is your reaction to it. Uh, it's, uh, and uh, I think that it it's, calming to the soul when you realize that you know I, <laughs> that your sole responsibility is who you are and how you conduct yourself that's the only thing you're in charge of for the moment and in the moment and uh you know i think uh people don't do things to you they do things for them so you can get all carried away about what somebody did to you and say well let's that, that's, that's their business. That's their work. That's their job. I'm, my work is who I am in the, in, in the face of it. I remind people that if I was to sub take ideas of mine and uh, subtract them to four words, I've heard myself say, uh, according to the gospel of Noah, uh, go Teflon, not Velcro. I think that's, uh, I, I think there's a wisdom to that uh, in life. And uh, some people can't wait to have things uh, stick to them so they can take offense, so they can feel hurt, so they can find their identity in, in feeling sorry for themselves. And uh, self-pity is the worst way to, to discover self. Uh, and uh, finding that calm inside of you uh, is first recognizing that if you're in a state of turmoil, the turmoil is yours. The, the disquiet is yours. And when you see part of the of the of the issue is your ego always wants to run things and your ego always wants to do something that will make your ego happy. But putting your ego in charge isn't necessarily the wisest uh, aspect of you to put at the helm of your life. There are there are moments when um, uh, something has happened that my ego wanted to happen in my life and didn't happen in my life. And like the line is sometimes God's greatest gift is unanswered prayers. Sometimes there are things that happen that are better for you, but they don't run in accord with what your ego's attention is. So you have to step out of it into your higher or conversely a deeper self. Uh, is, that, is that work to do? I really think the work is what you labor yourself with that you are in charge. That's the work you give yourself. The other work is not, it's calm, is not, is not uh, industrious. You know, there's, um, there's a line a while back that um, don't confuse 
your work, your, your work in life is not what you do, but who you are. I think that's in the book. And so uh, our work in life is, is oftentimes making ourselves self-important, making ourselves think we're in charge, making other people da da da. That's not your work in life. Uh, your work in life is, is who you are and how you conduct yourself with you, with you. Yeah. And you write a lot about, you, if I may, you write a lot about getting to know who you are, helping the, the reader to discover who they are. Let's, let's, let's focus on that. Help us understand what you want us to learn about getting to know ourselves. Well, the first thing to know is that um, I can't help you. This, this is your work with you. Uh, what I can tell you is that um, it's, uh, it's less about how uh, you adorn yourself with all your other notions that you would like to perceive about yourself and how you see yourself unadorned, uh, absent of all the uh, clothes and coffee and costumes uh, that, we, that we get uh, caught up in uh, in, this, um, in this lifetime. And uh, so can I, can I help someone get to their own calm? Only in the regard that I can provide the language to perhaps understand that uh, that uh, this is it's as much or perhaps more an opportunity than it is a labor. But because it is uh, an opportunity so often that we ignore, it becomes laborious uh, and, and put on. I'm trying to think of how. You know, there. I, I many years ago, and for a long time, I was uh, very good friends with uh, with Ram Dass, Dr. Richard Alpert, who had been a professor at Harvard in psychology, and his great book. Or and again, I always like the brevity is the soul of wit. Said uh, said more than a few people, but uh, one of them, including Oscar Wilde. But in if, that Ram Dass's line is that the way to do is to be. And so uh, we we get so uh, tied up in the uh, the work aspect. Of who we are, we forget that, you know, <laughs> if, you, if I may, when you're born, God gives you a life. God doesn't say, uh, oh, uh, you can have this life uh, provided you become this and this and this. You can have this life if you do this and this and this. God says, this is your life. This is a gift. So my line is, if, you know, life is a gift, prayer is a thank you note, write your thank you notes, you know, send those thank you notes out. That's, that's what uh, that I say, the prayer is a thank you note. And let me give you an example of this and another metaphor, because that's a, a way that I operate in my efforts to create. Um, there are some people there's a there's a story that you that you wander through a dark woods in this lifetime trying to find your way and at a certain point you come at a certain point you come to a great river and you know you have to cross this river now there are some people who will uh spend their lives ferrying people across the river or touting that they will ferry them across this river to the other side but will never make the journey themselves Right. And if you have and if you find then that there's a boat that will take you to the other side of the river, when you get to the other side of the river, you may find yourself in a desert. Now, the last thing you need is to drag a boat through the desert. So you have to leave that behind in the same way as we leave the woods behind. We leave the boat behind. We live the river behind. We wander through where we are at that moment, in that moment. And the only company 
that we can be assured of on that journey is yourself. So it would be wise to be good company to that company on that journey. And, and, and by the way, for what it's worth, our ability to be good company with others is premised on our ability to be good company with ourselves. We've all met people who you can smell when you're talking to them that are uncomfortable with themselves. And conversely, we have met people who are just comfortable with themselves and they are at ease to be in the company of that person. So uh, it all plays, it all plays that way. You know, if you're, you, you, you can't like others if you don't like yourself, you can't love others if you don't love yourself. And so well, these are good, these are, these are good little, little thoughts that we can, we can share with people. If, if people don't do things to you, you know, people, they do things for themselves. Uh, be, be Teflon, not Velcro. Um, don't confuse feelings for, for who you are you know, liken it to the tides, you know, tides ebb and flow. Uh, make sure that, you know, you're, you're on this life journey. Uh, you're going to be with yourself 24-7. Make sure that you're good company. Those are, that's all great, great counsel for us. I, I would only give you one counsel, Christopher. Have you ever thought about being a publisher? Because here I am, <laughs> here I am saying these things and you're it's like saying, well, uh, you know, it's like being Johnson, or Boswell the Johnson, you know, it's like, uh, uh, thank you. I Look, let's, there, the, the, uh, the two great days in a person's life are the day they are born and the day they know why they were born. I have lived long enough and I'm far enough down the rail to know this is why I was born. Uh, I had uh, wit and some uh, capacity to type a long time, but uh, the emotional maturation, thank God, that, uh, that uh, uh, has also journey with me and perhaps come of age, or as Jacob says in my, one of my books, what grows never grows old, you know, allows me now to come to this with an understanding that um, uh, this is why I'm, uh, I'm here. And um, in the mornings, when I first get up, I'm often up, uh, I, I sit in my living room, I start a fire, and I'm sitting in the living room by myself. And one of my meditations before I get to my prayers is I imagine that I am a prequel of myself and I am a monk sitting in a cave looking at a candle and I am the flame on the top, top of that candle knowing that I'm here to be a light and a warmth. And Christopher, that's as much as I know about why I'm here and why I'm writing books and having participating in a podcast so that to be both uh, a light and warmth of others. And it is, it's a reminder that it's not the work I do. It's that my, the work is who I am and uh, how I'm yeah. trying to. Well, that's really beautiful. I love the, the, the candle imagery. You know, there's so many cultures who focus on light and light is, is, is tremendous. Um, there's a lot we can learn just from light. Now, um, I was just thinking about some of the things you said, and you know, I've, I've heard say that it's all in the dash. And to put that in context, my grandfather was born in 1889, and he died in 1986, and he was my best friend growing up. And when you look at his headstone, it says 1889 dash um, 1986. 
And sometimes we so fo- we focus so much on the birth, the death, of it, but the thing is in the dash, right? The whole life was in that dash. And so um, you're you're counting us. Let's let's make the most of that dash and let's be well, alive. To, to 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 your point, and I and I, I love this. Again, uh, hearing you say this is a reminder of discovering the poetry in somebody else's voice. That that a lot of us feel that uh, that it is in the dash, but what is in the dash is I remind people that the human race is not a race, and be cautious. <laughs> I remind people to be cautious that uh, a lot of people uh, think they're living life in the, in the fast lane when they're living life in the past lane is one of my, but here's, here's another yet take on this that might speak to it Um, from my own. My my feeling is that um, each of us is a time machine and in our memory, we can go backward in time in our imagination. We can go forward in time, but the only place you can steer your time machine is in the now where there's a a lot that we can take from today we could speak with you for hours unfortunately we only have this many minutes now i just wanted to ask you you know one last question if you don't mind was there a moment i mean you've had a lot of life experience and uh you a lot but was there a moment in working with sean and writing this book that you yourself learned something where you had an aha moment you know, um, being uh, some level this uh, uh, that uh, draws me to uh, uh, to tears, but uh, uh, let me share this with you. It, it, um, being touted as uh, the sage uh, in this uh, in this book uh, and in conversation Sean and I had when Sean talked about the passing of his son, that I was dumbed. I have I um, not only was it not something that I could be wise about. It was something I didn't want to be wise about. And there are some truths, some wisdom that is sometimes too sad to be wisdom, too sad to be wise. And uh, so I, I, in my, in our working together, our friendship quieted me and, um, the struggle in a friend's life quieted me. Many years ago, I was a visiting professor of philosophy at UC San Francisco Medical School. And there was a brilliant doctor up there who was counseling the young physicians. These are the best, smartest kids in the country. And he said to them, when you come to see somebody in the hospital, don't just do something, sit there. And so in working with Sean, there were times in a story that he would tell about loss that I wanted to be wise enough to be silent and yeah. so we've we've shared that same objective in this on this podcast when we've talked with authors who have written about loss and one of the things that has come out is show up and shut up well, you know I actually I, I want to I'll share something with you about this I, I walked through the this down by where I live in uh, on the on the west coast uh, through it, there's a, a park and where people park and trailers and stuff. And um, people laugh at me because I'm oftentimes walk and I read at the same time. And that always seems to bring amusement to, to them, how I do that without falling over or something. And there was a, a young black man who uh, worked cleaning um, the bathrooms in this trailer park. And uh, he asked me what I did. I talked to him and I asked him, he was always had the best spirit, the best spirit. So I asked him, I said, 
Michael, how do, how do you keep such a great spirit? He said, shut up, suit up, and show up. And when he said that, it really struck me. And so I took it. And on my next talk, I said, when you come into your life, shut up, be quiet, quiet yourself. Suit up. Think about what emotional wardrobe you're pulling from your closet. If you're pulling anxiety or guilt or urge to power and wearing that that day. And finally, show up. Be there in the moment. That's just why it's it was great, up great wisdom. So, well, it's been, it's a pleasure. It's been it's been fun to speak with you today. It's uh, it's always fun to speak with authors and people who you know are trying to be a light to the world. Now, where where can our guests find you online? Cryptically, Noah Benchia is at noahbenchia.com. Uh, <laughs> and uh, if you uh, if you Google Noah Benchia, B-E-N-S-H-E-A. Uh, I tell people I get both anti-Semitic and anti-Catholic literature in the mail because Ben Shia means son of Isaiah. But I'm younger in particular. I have fair complected and had blue eyes and a red beard. People thought, ah, hey, you're Irish there, last. So they they thought too. So NoahBenShia.com. Uh, but also if you simply, I know this is uh, kind of a strange, uh, if you Google Noah Ben Shia, depending on the day, and if you put it in quotation marks, my daughter reminds you so does. There'll be somewhere between 40,000 and 125,000 sites who are quoting something that I've said or from one of my books. So I'm, I'm um, not impossible. It should be easy to find, to find you. It should, it should be. I say that to myself. It should be easy to find myself, <laughs> except when I'm busy hiding from myself uh, in my lesser self. Uh, thanks for a great day, uh, Christopher. I enjoyed this conversation very much. You were very gracious. Thank you. Thank you for joining us, really. Now, as we conclude today's podcast, I'd like to thank Familias for their support in bringing this podcast to your ears and your heart. We'd be thrilled if you subscribed to the podcast and left us a review. And when you're ready for that next amazing book adventure, we'd be honored if you chose a book from Familias. One step at a time, we can make the world a happier place. Amen. Amen.